now rocking with One Nation Radio. Welcome to the program. James Boy, Richard Ladder, and a couple friends with the show for your wrestling needs. Shopping out the rest of the IWC. We gon' tell her how it is. We gon' shoot from the hip. If they putting out trash, we gon' rip from the bitch. Make sure that you tweet us and you rate the shows. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Now let's get it on the road. Hey. One Nation Sports. One Nation Sports. One Nation Sports. Welcome to One Nation Radio. And now, here are your hosts, Rich Latta and James Boyd. And thank you for listening. SocialSuperFlex.com. BWB, what's up? Welcome to the award-winning podcast, One Nation what? Radio. Um, Who gave us an award? What, what award did you guys win? Um, I was just lying pretty much, but it just sounded good to say <laughs> at the beginning of the show. Uh, welcome to the January 13th edition of One Nation Radio. Uh, we award winners in somebody's mind. You know, we're the best of somebody, you know, somewhere. You know, um, oh my god, yes, we're off to a to a roaring beginning. Uh, joining me and James Lion. today, yes, James, what's going on, man? That's right, James, joining me and Rich on our show. <laughs> I took this show over now. Uh, welcome, hey man, just talent, whatever y'all want to do, it's okay with me. <laughs> oh man, w- welcome to back for the second week in a row is gentleman Josh Smith. Josh, what's going on, man? Hey, thanks for having me on the show, guys. Yeah, man. You asked here. me a second ago how I was doing. Apparently, it's a new world order over over that way. Apparently, <laughs> so, new world order, baby. So, uh, what's up? To, what's up to Jeremy too? Uh, Sierra as well. What's going on? Uh, what up to everybody in the Wrestling Square Circle Facebook group? It's getting real, uh, real active in there lately. And uh, shoot Saturdays have been a rousing success. Um, yeah, but people have been shooting all week, and it's not Saturday, so... Correct. So tomorrow, I'm anticipating, you know, it'd be a good week uh, as far as shoot Saturday. But um, we are here last week. We talked about the pre... We previewed the entire Wrestle Kingdom show. It was what it was billed as. We got four matches that were four and a half stars or better, one including the six-star match, um, Kenny Omega. No, there was five. What was that? There was five. That New Japan Rumble. Oh yeah, that's right. That's oh, right. Get out of here. <laughs> the New Japan Rumble. Yes. Uh, so I guess we can start right there. Like the uh, um, Wrestle Kingdom event was January the fourth. We didn't watch it until that Sunday, the following Sunday. Um, I watched it live. J- uh, Josh watched it live. So how was it first? Uh, before we, me and James, get into our thoughts, how was it watching the show live, Josh? Uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, you know, I did a live chat uh, or a live discussion thread, and I was surprised that uh, two or three guys uh, rolled with me, and we actually watched it live together. So, I mean, I thought it was going to be solo, uh, and it was great, man. I, I stayed up, like, I slept in extra long. I made myself a pot of coffee. I got wired, and I was, like, I was in it, bro. I was watching it. You were there, it too. Was so worth it, Yeah, I was there. It was so worth it. But then when I went to sleep and woke back up in the afternoon the next day, and I felt dead inside, and like my entire soul had been crushed. <laughs> I realized it was not worth it. <laughs> so I will never again watch a live New Japan show uh, because it, it takes years off your life, just like Hell in a Cell. Right. <laughs> uh, so James, this was uh, the first Japanese event that you made it through. It looks like without falling asleep. 
Uh, <laughs> unless you nodded off, like, you know, during some matches where I wasn't looking or something. But it seems like you were with us the whole time. What, what was your impression of uh, Wrestle Kingdom? I thought it was good. I mean, I just, you know, my issue with New Japan is the same issue that I've always had with it is that, you know, I think some of the uh, strikes in, in, um, in, in, in uh, some of the stuff is just like a little over the top for me, for my taste. Like, especially like every Shibata match. But, uh, <laughs> so, like, it, this year, it was kind of like, the first year was Wrestle, the first one I ever watched was Wrestle Kingdom 9. And, I, you know, I was kind of like t- taken aback by, like, my God, like, these. Like how do these dudes work like this and like have you know multiple year careers? How are they not like all like on the shelf mm-hmm. with you know with bad whatever you know with bad necks and bad um, you know concussion histories and whatever? But you know like over over time you kind of like you know once you get your mind right and you know, expecting like this is what you're going to see, right? You know it's it's a little bit easier to deal with and. Ultimately, like nothing was nothing was exactly like you know the Ishii Shibata match from last year. So, oh God, that match! Yeah, like you know that match that match took year, a year off of my life just watching it. <laughs> um, so, but you know it was it was a good time. You know, a lot of a lot of a lot of uh, high quality wrestling matches. Um, I saw perhaps the best match I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> uh, so all in all, it was a great time. Right, um, and I want to get into that uh, match that uh, you talked about. The might be the best match you've ever seen in your life because I echo those sentiments. Um, Kenny Omega was challenging for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. He was challenging Kazuchika Okada, I believe that's how you say his first name. Uh, we got to start. I'm gonna just shorten that to Kaz. Kaz Okada. Kazuchika um, Okada. Correct. It's all right because. Uh... You know they they mispronounce our names over there, so we're, we correct. Can they names. do, or you know we could just call them by their last names like everybody else does. And get, yeah, you know, and oh. not, and no, I try okay. to show their respect, you know. <laughs> but um, these guys, Michael Erigan. Yes, yeah. Well, they Every they time. can't. Well, they can't. Let's, they struggle let's, with let's, ours. Let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> um, so these guys, Dave Meltzer rated this match six stars uh, in. If I'm just thinking off the top of my head, I can't think of a match I've ever like been more like just amazed by as far as just some of the spots. Like if you talk about the dragon suplex off the top rope, I've never seen one of those. Um, you see Kenny Omega flying over that table uh, or flying over the rope to the table. He steals the bushy spot where he moonsaults into the crowd off the top rope and, you know, does that whole thing. But um, <laughs> And then that finishing sequence, like... This was magic. It, this match lived up to all the expectations. Like um, when when you guys first heard this match was announced, what were you expecting, and how does it compare to what we got? Well, for me, I thought that I was going to see, you know, probably the probably what was going to end up being match of the year. Um, that's all I was expecting. I was expecting match of the year. I was expecting, you know. You know, one of the five or six best matches I've ever seen, bar none, maybe even best match I've ever seen, period. But it was, um, you know, I think I'm pretty much feel like everybody else expected the same thing as well. Like everybody was expecting five stars out of this match, and if they weren't getting that, it was going to be a bit of a disappointment. Um, it's You know, it's just one of those rare things where, you know, what you got exceeded your expectations, which, you know, which is the key to happiness in life, period. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, we made a joke uh, when we recorded the last podcast, and I said if it wasn't six stars, <laughs> I was going to uh, get rid of my New Japan subscription. Right. And I was I was talking facetiously, of course, but, you know, I, I feel the same way that James did, where I expected potentially for this to be the match of the year, but I'm very skeptical. And when I thought to myself, hey, these two guys never work together solo, ever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They are two of the best workers in the world, but I mean, there's always that chance that two guys don't have the type of chemistry that you're looking for to actually deliver what you're hoping they deliver, you know? Um, and you see that. I mean, for instance, SummerSlam, I thought Finn Balor against uh, Seth Rollins could be a, a five-star match, and it, it wasn't even close to that, you know? Right. So that, that, that happens sometimes. So I was actually lowering my expectations realistically and thinking, okay, it's going to be like four, somewhere between four and five. I didn't expect it to be the best match I'd ever seen in my life. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I and I, I don't know about you guys, but it seems like in the aftermath, um, to me, like the star that emerged out of this match, even in defeat, was Kenny Omega, and he is, you know, the talk of the wrestling world at the moment. Like, does WWE need to go get this man? Does you know, yes. like, like, what is his future in in New Japan? Because he was, you know, he's going missing from the storylines. His contract expires later this month. Talk about uh, Omega's performance and um, and what like his his evolution in New Japan and what 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 is the you know the plan of action for him going forward like to you guys what should he do? Oh. Well, um, I will say this: and I, I mentioned it on the last podcast. I think Kenny's the best limb seller uh, in the industry. Um, they didn't do a lot of limb work in this match, but the the, the big story was they were both attacking the lower back and there was instances where Kenny would be in the flow of what he's doing. And then all of a sudden he's selling the lower back. And I mean, that was, that was just some beautiful stuff. There's one point where he's trying to put Okada up on the ropes in the corner. And I mean, we're like 30 minutes into the match and suddenly he just can't, and he just falls down and (laughs) (laughs) he sells it so good, bro. I was like this guy right here, but some of, some of the spots that he took, uh, or you know some of the bumps that he took in, in during some of the big spots were uh, terrifying. Honestly, uh, when he gets drop kicked off the top rope, yes, uh, and he, and he falls back off of the platform into the guardrail. I thought he hit his head at that point. When uh, I mean the 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 three big jumps that he took, uh, oh, and the back body drop uh, into that. Uh, Japanese table that actually did break this time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, I just thought as soon as I saw it, I was thinking Rick Rude. Right, uh, right then and there. Um, yeah, so I forgot the question, so can you ask me again? Sorry. So, like, looking forward, like, what what should Kenny Omega do following ah. this match? You know, he emerges kind of like the biggest star to come out of this, gotcha. and he's like the okay. square focus of the wrestling world at the moment. Okay, now I remember what I was going to say because I was just like, I was like reliving the match when Josh was going over some of the points. Like uh-huh. one of the points is about Omega selling the back, and there was a point where he does the Okada pose, yes. and then like he just he oh, just so falls good. down. He's in such pain because it's so good. Yeah. So, um, for me, like, there's a short list of guys that basically like they work their ass off like like maniacs, and that's what I remember about the match. And like, don't get me wrong, like, Okada, Okada might very well be the best wrestler in the world, period, like, bar none, but the thing with Omega was, like, 
It reminded me of CM Punk losing his damn mind at WrestleMania 29. Mm-hmm. Like the fight Undertaker. Like he's like he's like he's infuriated that he's not in the main event. So I'm going to prove to you that you're all wrong. And right. <coughs> and ultimately, like he went nuts in that match. Like you know, he ended up tearing he ended up tearing up his knee in that match just to prove a point, right? So like that was a lot. I saw a lot of the same things. I mean, obviously this is to a whole nother level, but like to see him, to see him like do everything in his power and have the game plan going into like, I'm going to work this dude's back and then I'm going to hit him with the one wing with the one wing angel and I'm going to uh. with the title and then like, you ever even and then the whole thing is like even the best laid plans and and, deter, and sure determination isn't enough, like that's. That's a great story. Um, yeah. Not, not going over for for what's next. I mean, he's doing he's doing the or Okada's going to be doing the feud for how with uh, Suzuki for I don't know how long, but I mean, it looks like Kenny Omega is going to be on a bit of a hiatus, and that keeps the that keeps the you know the rematch possibility fresh. Like, right. who doesn't want to see that again? Right. Like it, it, with Omega's value, like. At a, he's at an all-time high right now. He's 33 years old. Uh, his value, I don't know if it's going to be higher next year necessarily than it is now. Um, it's, not often no you, it's not often you have the greatest match of all time. So, <laughs> or a six-star match. So, and especially being square in the middle of WrestleMania season, WWE is aggressively signing up everyone they can. And to basically stop the uh, expansion of New Japan, if they were able to... Uh, take Kenny Omega away. That's a huge, you know, uh, that's a huge dent to put in that promotion. Even though, if anyone can build another star, it is New Japan. Um, sure. The but, uh, you know, speaking speaking to that though, uh, as a fan who watches New Japan, I love Okada, but I can't get into Okada's promos as a as a North American. Mm-hmm. It makes it makes the product so much easier to get into when you've got Omega doing promos. Mm-hmm. And with I think with Okada, like what I'm gathering is he's over, but he's not over to the extent like like Omega is in a sense uh, with us that uh, Okada is to the Japanese fans because you know like Tanahashi and Naito are are their guys essentially right now. And there's but there's also a reason for that though. What was that? Okada makes shit look so damn effortless and easy that doesn't like he's actually trying hard. (laughs) Like, yeah, a lot of a lot of like um, I think Alvarez mentioned this earlier earlier in the week on Observer Radio or Observer Live. He was like, "Either him or Super Feet." I can't remember, but he basically said, "What up, Mike?" Okada, <laughs> Okada has such a has kind of like that Randy Orton issue where like everything looks so smooth and so effortless that you don't like know if this dude is like going crazy, like working his ass off, like to the level that the the Omega or the CM Punk level. You know what I mean? Right. He, there's not that sense of struggle, that kind or, of grittiness to what he's doing. Because it's so, or urgency, exactly. The only time there is, though, and what makes Okada so good, and it's something that even Omega can't touch him on. And I don't think anyone, actually, to my knowledge, I can't think of a single wrestler I've ever viewed that does this as well as him, who can build hot finishing sequences for his matches. Right. No, but, no, but that's where the urgency comes in. His finishing, finishing sequences are the best maybe the industry's ever seen. Well, yeah. I mean, once you see the drop kick, you're like, oh, it's on now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like right. it's like the new Hulk Hogan Hulk up. 
<laughs> or the big boot. <laughs> Drop kick greater than point, big boot. It's the point in yelling, you! <laughs> yeah. But yeah, um, I think we are all in agreement with how great this matchup was, so we're going to move on from here. But if you guys haven't seen it, um, check it out. Have, real quick, have either of you guys watched it with the Japanese commentary yet? No. I have. No. They lose their I'm- shit. The whole match. Yeah. So crank. So turnt. Isn't it, isn't it amazing how uh, how hot that crowd was for the preceding match with Tanahashi Naito? And I, as soon as the main event started and the crowd was dead, I was like, oh, this is just like Rock Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania. Like, they, they killed the crowd. <laughs> and they really were somewhat dead for that main event. And it ended up, but they still they were able him. to start at a pace where they could pull them up, turn it around, and have the greatest match of all time. And the last thing I want to say, when have you ever seen a match that was based around the idea that the guy didn't hit his finishing move? I would say, mm. I, I would say there was, um... or, or I should rephrase it, not that that's never happened, but when is that like what makes it so compelling at the end? The fact that this guy right, never the way quite. They, he never did it, and if he hit it the way that they were teasing it, the match would have been over. I'm sure. I'm sure that there there are matches that are, but they're based on matches that are uh, guys that have that their finishes are some is a submission move. They just can never slap it sure. on or whatever. Sure. But like for just a finishing line, I'm going to I'm going to take take your you know I'm going to take your head off or whatever. Like no, nah, that's that's not really a thing. But I mean, it's the that's the beauty of it is that like. Now, that match is fantastic, and then it also leaves you clamoring to see, like... What if that you know, man actually hits it? Yeah, and, and which means you want to see a rematch. Right. So, I think that's a good place to leave it, but uh, if y'all ain't checked it out, uh, watch it. It's worth it. Um, the next match uh, that was down the card was the for the IWGP Intercontinental Championship. It was Tetsuya Naito of Los Ingonables de Japón. Versus Hiroshi <laughs> Tanahashi. So, you know, when I got into New Japan originally, uh, I saw Naito and he looked—he was just a regular guy. I didn't really know too much about him, but I had always heard about this guy Tanahashi, who was like Shawn Michaels and having all these five-star matches. He's like seen him meet Shawn Michaels essentially. And from like Nakamura was instantly my favorite, but my second favorite was Tanahashi because he just. Seemed like in all those big matches, he was always going to bring it, and then he's always going to show up jacked, you know, and then he's <laughs> like, and all those high fly flows and just everything to the outside, he just doesn't give a fuck. And he he's actually, yeah, yeah, and now now he's, he's slowed down apparently, you know, and he's, you know, coming towards the end of his super prime right now, and he's putting over like the next generation of guys like last year. Okada defeated him in the main event, and this year, you know, um, we had Naito defeat him, and I described this in, in the build-up as this will, it would be like with a heel Roman Reigns that people were getting behind against Cena, and I feel like we, we got a great match out of that, and there are some people that are arguing this match was the best match on the card. I feel like those people are wrong, but what do you guys think of that? There are people that are arguing that it was what? It was the best match on the card. Oh. Uh, I mean, I could see that. Uh, you know, that's the beauty of the top four matches. There were four different style matches altogether that could potentially be the best match of the card. Um, 
depending on what your preference is, because it's all subjective. I didn't think it was the best match, but it's in that four and a half to five star range, and uh, it, it maybe was some of the best. It was the best storytelling match, I would say. James. Yeah. Yeah. For me. Um, it, for me, it's uh, I come into it immediately seeing like okay, like the Cena uh, Tanahashi parallels are becoming even bigger. Like the whole Ace thing is is so much like the you know my my time is my time is still here, my time is still now type thing. Mm-hmm. Like next thing you know, like Tanahashi and Cena are gonna be like gonna be talking about like their workout regimens and how like they feel like they're in the best shape of their lives. Like that's the next <laughs> thing. Like they're, like they're, you know, like there's probably like one or two more years for it. Like, yeah, yeah, I feel much so much better and all this other stuff. I'm getting so much more sleep, or I'm eating more carbs, or I'm eating less carbs, or sugar, or whatever else this crazy diet is, or whatever. And then the dude's gonna like land on their neck and done. Like that's that's what wow. we're at with those two. But like, don't joke, man, because that's happened in Japan before. It happens in all the wrestling guys land on their neck and be in ruin. Yeah, uh, and that's one thing we were talking about the, uh, when talking about. The English commentary during the main event was after that that dragon suplex where they don't release it. Um, mm. uh, mentioned like he's going to like when when Okada is getting his next fusion in a few years, he'll think about that move. It's like and quit playing, don't do that, just flip him over. That drop but, kick too. Yeah, man. So, but uh, getting but back to the lecture at hand. Uh, yeah. It was kind of weird to come out and hear Tanahashi not have the, not have his normal interest music and switch up and like down. I hated like, that. Yeah, what do y'all think? Do y'all even like that music? Do y'all I could think? barely hear it. Like it wasn't. I didn't really like, hear it either. Yeah, it was like drowned out for some weird reason. So I I have to listen to the MP3, but like it doesn't jump out like high energy did. I'll tell you that for Tana, sure. Tanahashi's original music is maybe the best entrance music in the business right now. It's up there with Nakamura's music. Yeah, it was. It, it definitely like. Yeah, it's up there. Like it's like if Michael it's Jackson was going. Look, Michael Jackson was going to make like you know if, if Michael Jackson was Japanese, he would be singing over that. I feel like, <laughs> <laughs> like in the eighties or something like. But yeah, um, this victory. Like, what does this victory mean for Naito going forward, Josh? Everything. Uh, you know, the, the big deal uh, with Naito was, and you know, the backstory was that they wanted him to be the next Tanahashi. Uh, when they brought in Okada and really pushed him in 2012, they brought him in as a heel, and he plays a, a much more natural heel. That's why he's in chaos. And, you know, they've, they've turned him into a nationalistic face hero because that's easy to do in Japan. Uh, the roles are less defined, but... That was going to be their top heel, was Okada. But when they brought Naito in around the same year, Naito was going to be Tanahashi. And they pushed him like that. He won the G1. They had a main event, uh, Wrestle Kingdom. And the people just weren't connecting with him at all. Just like Roman Reigns. You know, so the parallel is right there. And when they uh, did the the switch this past year, when he came back with the LIJ uh, gimmick, that's what really, really got him over. But... There's still, that linger, there's still that lingering feeling like you're never going to be Tanahashi. Right. <laughs> so when he came in and, you know, Tanahashi was great in that match. But, if, I mean, I only watched it the one time, but I thought that oh, I thought Naito put in the better performance. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that his his leg work in that match was 
just freaking awesome. Like the fact that he had a game plan and that's really, you know, all, even a lot of his signature moves that he usually does, he switched them up so that they attacked the leg and it was like very noticeable what he was doing and he beat him clean. There was no interference from LIJ. So that really means going forward, just like they gave the, the rub to Okada, Naito's the top heel in the company right now. Right. Period. I think I think as soon as the three count went down, I was like, Man, Tanahashi's washed. That man's gonna be in the New Japan Rumble next year. Like <laughs> See, my question for you guys is this. Do you think it was weird that like the last two matches of the show, both of them like end with they both end up in situations where one guy is working a body part and then somehow through the whole, the whole like all the chaos, the other guy ends up hurting the same exact body part. Do you think that was weird? Oh, where they both attack the legs, and then in the other one, they both attack the back. Yeah, uh, a little bit, but I mean, with I wouldn't have noticed it. Tanahashi, because Tanahashi always attacks the legs. I mean, that's yeah, he does uh, that whole yeah, dragon screw. Well, he didn't, well, he didn't start doing the leg work until like Naito. Um, what happened? Something backfired on Naito, and Naito ended up getting his knee buckled. And then I agree. Yeah, but that's, that's that's the typical Tanahashi match structure. He doesn't really start attacking the leg until it's his comeback. Ah, that's gotcha. that's always his comeback. But yeah, uh, it it is interesting that you point that out. That they they ran that same kind of story to you know two matches in a row. Yeah, and it basically was like literally. These hills are work or ta- or you know have a game plan of going in and working on these on these specific body parts, and then somehow they get up and involved in some type of high spot, and then it, they end up hurting the same. Ironically, end up hurting the same exact body part that they've been working on this other person. Like it was, it was kind of weird. Like it was almost like obviously it works at such a great level, and, and the wrestling is so top notch that like. You don't even really think about it, really. But if that was something WWE did, and they were out here throwing out a three and a half star match and a and a, and a three and a three star match like back to back like that for a main event pay per view, you would kill them for that. You would be like, "What are y'all doing? Y'all didn't y'all didn't talk to your agents about this? How does it go?" Because they don't have agents there, so <laughs> they don't have agents over there. That's yeah. That's, I guess that's true. So, yeah, uh, but at the same time, if they gave us two five-star matches back-to-back like they did back at WrestleMania, or I'm sorry, SummerSlam 2013, I wouldn't be complaining. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I can't think of any time since then they've well, done that. Well, it's not, a, it's not a complaint as much as an observation, but yeah, like, if the matches are, I mean, look, me and, me and Rich have, have talked about this um, probably since, yeah, like, since the first Samoa Joe-Nakamura match at a takeover. Look, man, if you're gonna give me a four star match, I, I can pretty much take it. I can pretty much do anything else you're gonna do. Like, your music is awful, whatever else. Like, if the wrestling's there, I can, like, if the wrestling's not, if the wrestling's there, I can deal with it. But if the wrestling's not there, like, I can't, I'm not gonna put up with, like, you know, I wish you were never born. Uh, so moving yeah. on, uh, we had you know, we're gonna leave Knights on Tanahashi there. We got more to get to, but uh, we had Hiroki Goso defeat Katsuyori Shibata for the Never Openweight Championship, and these two like went super strong style on each other. And Goto finally won a big match somewhere, and Shibata was Shibata, and he like Goto really had to put that man down. 
I think this was like, you know, as much as the junior heavyweight was a great match, but we knew it was real uh, once these two guys got in the ring. Like, what did you guys make of this match? Uh, I liked it better than the Tanahashi uh, Naito match, personally. Same here. Um, Same here. Oh, nice. We're all in agreement, man. That's so rare. (laughs) That ain't number group thinking. Yeah. (laughs) Well, we hadn't talked about it yet, though, so that's pretty interesting. But, um, you know, it, uh, man, it was just a great match. Um, actually, on the group, uh, Patrick was watching it live with us, and he'd never followed any Pro uh, product whatsoever. So he was, like, watching it, and it was like... <laughs> like what the fuck is this? It was like, <laughs> it was like a revelation, like, like, you, like you've never seen wrestling before it was like uh he saw wrestling for the first time so that was pretty cool we were out like because he was just uh he was marking out over it in the comments and he's like i was like have you ever watched japanese wrestling he's like nah and i was like man you got baptized tonight brother with headbutts. <laughs> see that's the thing though like a shibata match is not wrestling like that is a fight with a determined finish i agree but i will say this he's so small much it was much more structured like a real wrestling match than that Ishii match that oh I Oh my gosh, I need to watch that again. <laughs> but um, the, the main thing I liked about this match, um, just kind of wrapping up the point, is uh, how the story basically was that Shibata was banged up. And so, you know, Goto got the big win it, when it really mattered, but the story there was that, like basically that Shibata had to be freaking handicapped and still almost beat Goto, you know, bad neck and shoulder, bad neck, bad shoulders, yada, yada, going forward, going forward, he's going to be, it actually elevates Shibata and he's going to go into the the main event from this and uh, Shibata and Goto is just going to probably hold down the, you know, the C class, the never, um, the never division. division. That strong style division. Yeah. And, I, and I, I'll tell you all this about Goto. Like, you can clown on Goto, say he's swaggerless. Uh, you, there was a picture of him where he was celebrating with the beers with uh, Chaos, and he actually didn't make it in. So it was like, man, Goto, stay losing. <laughs> but when, <laughs> when it comes to these matches, Goto is going to show up with, like a, like, a bunch of ridiculously sick moves, and he's going to put together, like, you know, a good match. Like, he's the Dolph Ziggler of Japan, but better. In my opinion, um, he basically—I don't—I don't know if you caught the G1 final, James, but he wrestled Omega in the G1 final. Oh. That match was like the last ten minutes of that match, insane. Same way, I but think the, I think the only G1 match that I saw from last year was the Osprey Ricochet match. No, that was that was That's Super the Super Juniors. Yeah, man. Oh yeah, okay. Well, Super Juniors. I didn't watch the G1. Then. Yep. There you go. We gotta put you home. But um, I'm actually I'm actually in the middle of the G1 right now in my uh, my rewatching project. Yep. I just got up to August, so I'm all the way through January to August, and I'm starting to watch the best uh, G1 matches. It's a task. Nice. Let me know when you um, after you watch the G1 when you get to actually. Uh, I think it was Okada and Marafuji. Have you seen that yet? I watched it. I yeah. watched it. It was great. Yep. I actually, uh, it's not in my list of best matches of the year, but it's great. I like Sonata and Tanahashi also. Yeah, that didn't make it either. 
That's crazy. So 2016 has so many four and three quarter and five star matches that you have like for this list. I've already got like 20 something four and a three quarter star matches. Man, the thing, like, there were some years Fuji, where there wasn't one. Right. Bro, this is the greatest year of wrestling since, like, and it's going to sound funny to you guys, but maybe since, like, 86. <laughs> wow. <laughs> or, like, since 97. Something like that. Like, it's crazy. Wow. So, moving on, uh, we have we had one more four-and-a-half-star match on the card, and it was Hiromu Takahashi, uh, who previously was licking the uh, championship against Kushida. And these guys, like, as soon as, before the bell even rang, someone was jumping off the top rope to the outside of the ring. Uh, this guy, Takahashi, looked like a nut. He showed up with their dyed red hair and the, and the jacket with all the spray paint and everything. He looked like a true character, and I was down with him from the get-go. You know he looked like? Who? He looked like, uh, he looked like Tyler Breeze if he was on Angel Dust. <laughs> <laughs> On the uh, preview podcast, I said there there was there was something about <laughs> <laughs> there was something about Kushida where he was just kind of boring to me, and you know, and so I was like, I'll just take this guy since they're redebuting him. Uh, happened to you know be right on that one, but what did you guys think of this match? Well, um, I take back everything I said about Kushida. By the way, um, in the course of my rewatching project, I'm like, oh man. This is one of the greatest junior wrestlers ever. <laughs> and uh, the thing that, he, that is so amazing about him is how many high flyers. I mean, he can have a match with any style of wrestling and make it compelling, honestly, from what I'm seeing from him. Um, but what he can do with high flyers that's so interesting is he can take a guy like Will Ospreay or a guy like Takahashi, who typically is super talented and does a lot of high spots, but doesn't have a lot of psychology to their matches. Uh And he can add that extra element and take it to a higher level. Uh, And that's what I thought. I liked this better than any of the Dragon League matches that Takahashi's had. Um, I thought it was, I thought both guys performed really well. They both almost killed each other or killed themselves. I should say um, with the high spots, but the story of, freaking Kushida going after that arm relentlessly and trying to get that hoverboard and then uh, not getting it at the end. And how, how did that match end? I don't even really remember. I think, you guys? I think Takahashi just hit his big move. Yeah. At the no, end. But for me, like, the freaking, the freaking arm bar outside the ring. Oh, I love that spot. That was the spot of the night for me. Yeah, you yeah. hit him with a time bomb to win the match. Yeah. Yeah, I, it's weird with Kushida. Like I've seen, I've seen what three matches of his now, and like I don't really, I don't want to say swaggerless, but because obviously I've only seen three freaking matches. But like, there's something that just like it's because it's Japan. Japan's so weird sometimes. Like, like I like, see, like I, I, I see that that dude's a great wrestler. But he's I over with the Back to the Future gimmick. Maybe it's that, but like that doesn't. But I don't really. That doesn't come to my into my mind when I think of him in the ring. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. especially because, like, because with the because of all these wrestlers like being on the other side of the globe, there's obviously a difference in a loss of translation part to these guys. You know, charisma or whatever. Like, unless you're freaking, you know, unless you're uh, Nakamura, and you're just you know out of this world, right? right. You're a flat out superstar. That's tra- you can see that. Like, but but for something, I'm just. 
but in the ring, so like when I watch these guys, I'm just focusing on what they do in the ring. So, and what I, and what I've read the storyline is. So, so when I see them, and it, like I see the Takahashi, him being a nut thing, and like the Lij or whatever, and in the time in the time bomb. But I guess maybe. Okay, he was because before he came back, he was in what? Was he in AAA or was he in CMLL? CMLL. He was in CMLL. He was Kamatachi over there. Right, and then isn't it? Yeah, that was his first name, right? Before he came back to Takahashi, right? No, nah, he was he. Uh, Hiromu Takahashi is his actual name. That's what he ah, wrestled. He gotcha. wrestled under that as a young boy. Uh, uh, young boy. Before they sent him as a young boy, as a young lion. Uh, before they uh, sent him on his excursion, when they sent him over to CMLL. He went under a mask as Kamatachi. Ah. No, one knew, no one knew it was him, and he lost the mask. When he came back, he came ah. back reborn as his real name. Okay, gotcha. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah, I, it's just someone with Kushida, which is like, I don't know, but like, when he grabbed that dude and that freaking, like, I don't know how the hell he even, like, how do you even think of some shit like that? Yeah, like, he's when he jumped outside the ring. That's a normal yeah. spot for him, actually. Yeah. Believe it or not. That's one of the best ones I've seen, but... He's done that to. Uh, I think he did that to Will Ospreay and to Ricochet. He let, that's a spot that he likes to do a lot. My like submission moves on the outside of the ring. I love them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, especially since he was tapping too. Right. Yes, he was. <laughs> like can't end the match, but it's going to do damage. But you know, those are the, those are the big four matches um, that you know were on the show. Uh, there was also you know Cody Rhodes making his debut, defeating Juice Robinson. Uh, Adam Cole won the Ring of Honor. Excuse me, Adam Cole, Bebe won the um, uh, <laughs> Ring of Honor World Title. Uh, our, our guy Ishii uh, won a championship with Toriano. Uh, the Young Bucks in Rapungi Vice had a pretty entertaining match, I, I'd say. And yeah, they beat him boys with a crucifix. Yes, uh, <laughs> they cut Rocky Morrell and slapped their heads at the end. The Young Bucks yeah. came out uh, with all the gold, all the gold, even the fake belts. Even the fake belts that you can now buy right. on their website if you want to get those super kick replicas. Okay. Now available. Which one is which? Which okay, which one is uh the okay. It, it, which it's one's hard. Nick and which one's Matt? Yeah. Nick Matt is uh, the one with the sideburns, I believe. Matt has sideburns and really dark hair. Nick used to have blonde hair. I, stopped, I think he stopped dyeing it, but it's uh lighter. Like brown. Okay. It's like I want to say it was Nick. When they came down to the ring, and Nick is doing the thing with his face, like it was flat. It was it was laugh out loud funny. Like I, I it needs to be a gif of that man like making that face, like assuming of his face <laughs> while he's going down. Is that what it is? It's a gif. I've been calling it gif for like years. Is, is it? It's GIF? either or. It doesn't. Matter. I can't tell. It's either or. I, I used to call it. I used to call it GIF until Rich's girlfriend actually corrected me. Called, called me was GIF, so and I said, you know what? I believe I, like a white person told I, me that. I so I'm just going to tell me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna start calling it GIF too until someone corrects me. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, and then we had Kota Bush under know. the mask. Yeah. So when so when next person corrected me, it was like you was right the first time. I'm gonna be, I'm, I'm gonna be like, look, I'm just doing what a white person told me. I, I, I'm following instructions. Okay. That's, that's all I'm doing. I don't know. I don't need no static. You know, inauguration next week, so we're gonna get a we're gonna get a lot of that around these parts. But um, <laughs> um, we got uh, Tiger Mask W. Uh, he was Kota Bushi, of course, wrestling against ACH. They um, 
Technical difficulties. Uh, we're back. Uh, Kota Ibushi was out there in the opener against ACH, and you know it was a pretty entertaining match. But we want Kota Ibushi to take the mask off and fight Kenny Omega. I think we're all in agreement here. We really wanted to wrestle for more than like five, for more than ten minutes. That's what we really wanted. All right. No, I want him to take that mask off forever. What difference does it make? He's he's doing the same moves. He's doing the same moves. Yeah. That'd be like them putting Randy Orton under a mask and then him hangman DDTing people. And... <laughs> like, what, still showing the tattoos? Yeah. Like? <laughs> right. Look, you, you know they love to call, uh, they love to call a bushy a free spirit and he does what he wants, so that man decided he wants to wear a mask, let him wear a mask. Right. Make no difference what, you want to see him sell? He should respect his wishes. <laughs> So, uh, moving on, we're going to switch topics to something we, we began on last week, but we didn't quite get to completely eviscerate, as I feel like we're all going to do this week. Uh, WWE bring it to the table with Peter Rosenberg, Paul Heyman, and JBL. Um, to me, this show was a unadulterated piece of propaganda that was an insult to our intelligence. Um, what did you guys think of this fuck shit? <laughs> I thought it was insulting to my sensibilities and my intelligence, and I thought that um, in a, I felt like it was very uh, condescending uh, to the fan to the fan to the fan base that you know have you know makes these complaints and exercises their uh, their frustration with the product by not viewing as much as they used to in the past, mm-hmm. uh, which is why it's weird that they say, you know, uh, you know, if you don't care, if you have these issues, you should boycott it. It's like, all right, well, we are like you were ratings, <laughs> ratings are down. It would indicate that people are boycotting. So what are you talking about, Paul? I mean, you know, New Japan's got almost every major show in English this year. I might just start watching that instead, you know? Yeah. You, you never know. It's a viable alternative. TNA's got a, uh, you know, Josh Barnett now, so. Yeah. Watch that show. Who knows? Um, <laughs> and they could put God on commentary and I wouldn't watch TNA. <laughs> I can't do it, man. Um, um, I, I, I guess uh, going back to what James said, you know, um, I thought it was terrible. Um, I just, I thought that this whole thing was terrible. You know what's so insulting about it is to, to actually take the time to bring up viable um, points of contention that the fan base has or that uh, even not even just the fan base, but like ger- like other journalists who have criticized WWE um, instead of it, it would be better for them to just kayfabe it and ignore it than it would be to actually bring it up as if they're going to address it for real and then just uh, crap all over everything and just sit and just basically say how stupid everybody is who's ever brought up any of these points I, and it was weird JBL and Heyman were on the same page the same exact like for every single question pretty much and it was just the company line over and over and over and over and yep. over and over and Rosenberg like he wasn't really put in the position to ta- to challenge them um, it wasn't like you know he was he wasn't there for that like it, he was put there 
because he has a you know a large voice with you know Hot ninety seven and the wrestling podcast the ESPN connection. That's not Rosenberg's stage to basically be like, hold on, y'all are lying. Like he's not gonna. They <laughs> wouldn't have never aired the show. So WWE's like you know looking at it like, so y'all don't want a third hour of Raw. Like, what do you mean y'all don't want us to make money so we can't pay for that? No, that's not what we're saying. We're saying the show doesn't need to be three hours because you're burning out the fan base because it's ridiculously hard to watch and it's just a bad show. And did you guys hear what Dave Meltzer said about that? Uh, no, what did he say? What did he say? It's been a while since I well, heard it. He he actually addressed uh, a few of the things, but the one I thought was most interesting, he brought up the the idea that they're saying that the third hour is necessary because of the revenue. And that was the whole point that they brought to Peter Rosenberg. You have no idea how much revenue this brings in. You want us to, to lose all this money and all this advertising money so that we can't even be a company anymore, yada, yada. Dave Meltzer addressed it. He's like, actually, what they're not telling you is that that third hour will kill them. And that they need in the long like, run. In the long run. Yeah. He's like, the, the reason why, he yeah, said, because money. cable companies use wrestling as a, as a way to uh, – increase their um, audience, basically, until they get a hit show so right. that they can dump the wrestling, just like right. TNN right. and TBS did. Right. And he was like, I, he basically said it, that we're lucky that shows on USA haven't, haven't gotten hot. Gotten hot, because if yeah. they do, we will lose wrestling, and it will be worse if they keep it with the third hour than if they were to just do the two hours. Well, yeah, the, th- the whole thing is, you know, when they moved to three hours and they and they got rid of the brand split uh, so they could, you know, in, moving the SmackDown guys into having the, the quote-unquote Raw Super Shows was because USA Network had no show to put on immediately after uh, Raw's overrun so that they could segue the, number, the huge number of, the, the, you know, their biggest show into a show that they're hoping to get off the ground. They never... You know, like after Burn Noise ran off, after like uh, Suits moved on to a different time, after, you know, the few other Chrisley knows best. Yeah, yeah, Chrisley <laughs> knows best, and geez, what else? Uh, Royal Pains or whatever. After those shows, like, ran, you know, their, you know, their time was done. They had nothing to replace except for iRobot. And, and uh, iRobot's so good. Right. Um, I'm sorry, Bad Robot. I said iRobot. That's true. I don't remember what the, I don't know the name. Or Mr. No, iRobot is a Will Smith movie. So it's, it's Mr. Robot. Yeah, Mr. Robot. That's right. You're right. So after, so their whole point was we need something to sustain our ratings for, you know, our average ratings. So what, what are people going to watch? Could I, should I need to put on an hour, you know, should I need to put on some show that for an hour that's going to get, you know, maybe a million viewers? Or do I need to put on a third hour of Raw that even when it stumbles to the, you know, stumbles in that third hour is still too you know, two to three million. Yeah, two million. If it's a good night, I can get close to three million or whatever. And that was for the network. That wasn't. That was for USA Network. That wasn't for WWE's benefit at all. They just took. They just said took the money because they are. You know, they're signed to a deal and they have to do whatever they tell them to do, more or less, right? So yeah. once this goes along, in the rude. short in the short term, yeah, they're making more money. But in the long term, like, what does that mean when you're going to exhaust off all these people that just don't have time for three hours and and nonsensical storylines and overexpose all your and guys and cruiserweights that have these feuds that pay off on some on some that are non-canon that pay off on the canon show on the network that I have to pay 10, 10 bucks a month to go see 
and I'm not I'm not going to do that. Like, what are we going to where are we going to end up at? You know, three or two, three, four, five years from now. Yeah, right. I, I think they're especially pretty... in the climate of television is going to change more and more, especially for cable. Right, like people are going to be like, right. hemorrhaging shit. money um, on television. Like, you know, things are, are set to change, right? They're not, yeah. you know, and it seemed like they were ready for it with the network, but this is this is just it looks to me like bad foresight. But yeah, um, they more <laughs> about this show. Like they tried to touch on uh, some topics with Hulk Hogan and uh, Bret Hart. JBL just basically talked a whole bunch, told Bret Hart to basically stop being that bitter. That made me mad too. Even though even though Bret Bret Hart has been right about pretty much every single thing he's ever said. Um, the, he gave his life to this company and they, they, they gave, uh, him their ass to kiss his brother's dead because of them and a roundabout way is, you know, this isn't a work to Bret Hart. Like, <laughs> and they made it right. real with him. Like, well, well, what pissed me off about all that is, you know, Brett did say some stuff about Ron's that he's an unsafe worker. Some people agree, some people don't. You know, he said some stuff about Michael Hayes maybe not being deserving of, uh, go, and the Freebirds not deserving to go in. Maybe that's right, maybe it's not, but, it, you know, it was his opinion. And, you know, there was some bitterness there, but that was his personal opinion, right? And there have been people who have personally come out and spoken out against it. And then what did Bret Hart do? He apologized for it months ago. And... Michael P.S. Hayes uh, accepted it personally. So why is the company line being represented? Because I didn't see that as JBL coming out representing JBL. I saw it as JBL Bohemian coming out Vince. representing the Vince McMahon and the WWE. Or at least if they didn't intend it for it to be that way, that's how it seemed. Why? Why is the company line being Brett? You're wrong. Do you think it's a thing where the company line has been it, that, Josh, since 1997? Right. Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> do you think it's a thing with WWE though in all seriousness do you think it's a thing with WWE is like if you've ever been one of their quote unquote like for lack of Pantheon guys or Pantheon guys where it's like alright if you are Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair Bret Hart, The Rock, Stone Cold Steve Austin Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, Triple H like you, we expect you to never ever say a, a bad thing about us because whether you're with us or not, officially speaking, you're still an ambassador of the company. You're still with us. You think that's what it is? It might be. I, I hear what you're saying, yeah. Because, I, yeah, because I mean, yeah, even guys like Jim Ross and Stone Cold don't nest, you know, they still play company man, even though they're not technically working for the company. Right. Yeah. Right. I think I think that might be a part of what it is. I see. I, I mean, see and, and, and granted, like you know, these are people that like. Last I checked, they they aren't on a bad they're not on a bad uh, relationship anymore. So you can't really, um, to you know, to hear certain things from certain guys, it, it kind of has to feel like a shock to the system. But we know that, given how it's how like how much of the bubble they're in, or isolated they are from like I don't want to say else. reality because it's kind of like <laughs> the kind of jerk thing to say. How isolated they are from like what other people's opinions are like i can see how like like damn bro like what are you doing to us right now man it could have just been michael hayes yeah it could have been michael hayes is like hey roast bret hart on on that show when it like because it it was like one of the last segments he probably like wrote it in but the thing thing for me like (laughs) 
if you were looking on the scale of things that Bret Hart has said bad about the company, like, that is very, very low on the company. Saying Seth Rollins is a dangerous worker and saying that, like, those, those the you know, the freaking guys, like, the, the, yeah, the, yeah, like, these guys are not freaking Hall of Famers. It's like, I mean, not, those, that doesn't, that, I mean. And, and that's so, also a personal say, issue with Bret. Because, like, a lot of, yeah. he's, he's been advocating for a lot of his brothers to get in the Hall of Fame. Like, Owen, he's been advocating for Bulldog to get right. in and Hart Foundation. And he's like, hold on, you're telling us that we're not this? Like, we actually have a track record of success in this co- in this company. Not We're not guys that just work behind the scenes. So Right. Yeah. And, and not even work behind the scenes. Like, yeah, when we were working, like, for the company, for real, like, we were actually, like, Drawing. guys that have Elson <laughs> and Drew, as opposed to, like, like, what did Michael P.S. Hayes do as a wrestler for WWF? Right. Yeah. And, I mean, there is an argument to be made that it's guys that didn't draw for WWF went in, you know, Sting, people like that. And I'm not saying that they're on Sting's level, but I'm saying that they've put people, you know, Vern Gagne, different people. But should they have gone in before the Hart Foundation? Well, but you know how that is. It's all a politic play, and it's also right. a thing of, like, you, there's all, it's one, politics, and two... How many guys can you possibly put in and without burning out your Hall of Fame immediately because you have all these guys you need to put in? And also, and you treat this thing, and you treat this thing like a, you know, like a, uh, like, like a real Hall of Fame. Yeah, no, you uh, treat it like an attraction as opposed right. to an actual Hall of Fame. And also, but like if this Jim was a Hall of Fame, they would have put in like all they would put, all these guys would already been put in. Like you wouldn't have to wait till this year for them to think about putting in Rick Rude, right? He would already yeah. be in by then. Right. And, and in certain situations, guys like Rick Rude and, um, excuse me, not Rick Rude, uh, Jim Neidhart, who's dealt with, you know, a lot of personal issues. They personal couldn't just issues. put, they just couldn't, yeah, personal demons. They couldn't just put them on stage like that. And they have right. to, they have to wait. Like they had to wait for Jake Roberts, who should have been in eons ago. So right. it, it's just, a, it's just yeah, it's just, yeah, Scott Hall is, you know, it's a game they, they run, but you know, moving on. Uh, we oh, had a oh, big one return. About the Hall oh, yeah. Of Fame. yeah, one quick question: Are you guys ready to be upset when they don't put Daniel Bryan in the Hall of Fame this year? No, mm. no, because I think he should go in next year. Why shouldn't he go in this year? Um, I'm not saying that he shouldn't go in this year. He could, but since WrestleMania is going to be in New Orleans next year, the height of his greatest greatest triumph, maybe you can mm, tie that, that makes in. Sense. That's probably what they'll do. I, I mean, sure. Uh, like flashback to WrestleMania 30, and yeah, I mean, whatever. I, I, I thought that, and this might just be me, but I didn't think Edge should have gone in so soon when they put him in. I don't think some of these guys that just get retired kind should of just be going about in. Edge. Like, <laughs> but I mean, these are guys some of these guys that just got retired are going in before. No, but the reason guys like why they're rude, right? But the reason why they're doing it that way is like, okay, attraction. Yeah, their attraction is like some of these guys have to be the quote unquote main event. Uh, guy for the draw of being in the or coming to the Hall of Fame thing. So, like for example, Ultimate Warrior, the year he was was the guy, right? I get um, it. The year, yeah, WrestleMania 29, it was Edge because Edge was like was literally a or multi multi champ, first battle Hall of Fame guy, and his career just got cut short. Like to me, you know, obviously his career wasn't nearly as long, but Daniel Bryan fits under that same category as Edge. Yeah. Like it was kind of weird to me. I mean. He didn't go last I year. I understand why he didn't get in last year because they already had the "quote unquote" card set. But this year, he should be the headliner of Russell of this WrestleMania, right? For the Hall of Fame. Sure. Like he I mean, yet. Unless you're gonna let him wrestle again, make it, which one's gonna be? Don't even, say nothing. Wrestle, don't even say nothing. Don't even say nothing. We we just That's stay why woke. I said that he should be in this year. Stay woke. <laughs> stay woke. <laughs> stay woke. <laughs> 
we have the return. Hey, the Hall of Fame speech and then Miz shows up. And yep. Him off. Yep. Well, you're not a Hall of Famer. And, you know, I'm a Hall of Famer. He just but, shoots. Yeah. He gives a what shoot if the speech. Miz shoots? <laughs> what if the Miz shoots? Look, that's right up there with what if Danny Hodge shoots. <laughs> but Miz shoots verbally. He might just um, go into business for himself. Yeah. Miz bite as tough as butter, bitch. Get out of here. <laughs> I beat people up. Yes. Beating people yes. up every week. Tune, tune in to me every single week. I'm on here beating people up. Yes. That, was my favorite, that was one of my favorite parts of that promo. Um, we had Cassie. It's my show. We, my show. Yes. We, we, we had Cassie Soto, a.k.a. Chris Hero, return to WWE in the uh, tapings or NXT. Uh, after getting a reputation as one of the best workers in the world, WWE seems to have have figured out that they made a uh, categorical error in le- releasing him. Uh, maybe, maybe not. Maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe this just was what he needed. Who knows? But uh, what what do you guys make of Hero returning? And you know, who I, I am I wrong for anticipating a collision course with Nakamura for NXT Takeover Orlando? We're gonna be there. Yep, we sure are. What's the match? What's the match for Royal Rumble in San or the Royal Rumble Takeover in San Antonio? Glorious. Yeah, probably. Gonna be oh, that's right. Room. King of Strong Style. That's right. That's where I forgot already. Okay, so I'd imagine if it were me, if I were, if I had the the pencil, right? I will have Cassius Ono. You're booking the territory. Yeah, I will have Cassius Ono start a a faction with. Dash with uh with uh, Dash and Dawson and I would I would you know I would name them the bad bodies and then I would go from there. <laughs> the bad bodies, no, the hard bodies. That's what you need to call them. <laughs> the hard bodies. It'd be ironic. Oh man, yo. So I uh, <laughs> I'm so, that's so funny. I'm still laughing. <laughs> no, um, are, are they the best bad body workers in the business this side of Kevin Owens? <sighs> They're up there. Uh, they're so good. Anyways, I mean, we, um, had conver- we had a conversation about this. Like, who's the best bad body worker in, in the world? And, was, and we came down between, look, Ishii. between Ishii. Yeah, Ishii or Kevin Owens. We both chose Ishii. No, nah, it's Chris Hero. Okay. I mean, he's up he's there. He's up there, yeah. I can't argue. Yeah, I mean, because he, he's, he's, he's on that dusty level right now. <laughs> dusty. Cash, come on now. You know, cat, you know, cat. Doesn't you know, that uh, damn, or, or he ain't that damn big. Yeah, and also, Chris Hero is a better worker than Dusty ever was. Uh, yeah, maybe. But the, so with Chris Hero, um, you know, I, I'm not gonna say I'm an expert on his uh, career, but I've been I've been uh, looking him up because he's coming back. Plus, I've been doing this rewatching uh, project, and you know, obviously, he had the year of his career this past year. So I've, there's a lot of matches I've seen of him and there's two phases to his career. There's the early part of his career where he's basically just like any other indie guy that you've ever seen. He's just like a Seth Rollins or a Daniel Bryan who can do everything. Strong style, Lucha, high flying, you know, uh, British mat wrestling. He can do all that stuff. And he was super athletic. Then he went to WWE. And if you watch his work in WWE, it's pretty uninspired. There's, not there's some good character work, but that's about it. The only match that really stands out is this match with Regal. They let him go, and uh, apparently, I don't know if you guys ever heard of this, but 
he says that he has a thyroid condition. That's why he's in the, uh, why his weight condition is where it's at. Mm-hmm. Um, and that he can't help it. Apparently, I don't know if that's true or not, but that's kind of what they're saying. So I've been watching his stuff from the past couple of years lately, and it, he's a totally different type of worker than he was in the early part. Mm-hmm. And I'm, there's two things that stick out to me. One, he's not as good as everybody says he is. Everyone acts like he is shoot, shoot. AJ Styles, and he's not, but he's maybe more consistent than any other wrestler I've ever seen wrestling this year, because almost every match I've seen him in, actually every match I've seen him in is over four stars, period, with every, on every continent with every single type of wrestler that you could hope for. So even though he's not um, a five-star machine, he's not a Kenny Omega where he's doing match of the year contenders every uh Every match, he's not going to spit out a match of the year. He can work something where you're going to pop. You're going to freak out over it. I mean, I think that – I think he will come in and take – I think he'll be champion in NXT, and he'll be the, one of the guys that holds down that division uh, once they start calling up, up the other uh, guys to the main roster. Uh-huh. But the second thing that, that I'm wondering about, what is he going to be allowed to do in WWE? Because his entire moveset is banned. Huh. He, he's gonna give people the big forearm in the face. That's all. He, that's the only thing he's allowed to do. I think is uh, his thigh slap elbows that he's hitting everybody with. But most of his most of his moves are spiking people on their heads. Maybe most he'll, of maybe it he'll, is, he'll he'll turn turn those into slams or something. He'll have to because he's doing he's pile driving the crap out of everybody and uh, freaking brain bustering the crap out of everybody. So I am interested to see if WWE runs with him as a top guy um, or not, you know. But I think him and Nakamura could have match of the year. Or no, well, no, they can't have match of the year, but they'll have yeah. a match of the year contender. <laughs> no. I mean, that's, look, that's already they could have away. match of the year. It's just, it, the possibility is very low. Like, Braun Strowman could have match of the year. It's just, like, you got a better <laughs> shot against Strowman Lightning five times than winning the lotto. Wow. Um, so, moving on from uh, Hero, good to see him back. Um, we had the you know the Royal Rumble poster dropped uh, and caused a, a ruckus on uh, not only our Facebook group but across the interweb. Um, Square the IWC. Yes, uh, who are we are proud members of. Um, I don't I don't seem to have an issue with being called an internet wrestling fan because you know WWE markets their whole product based on something on the internet. So what's more. What's more offensive, the internet wrestling community or black Twitter? I never heard of black Twitter. What's black Twitter? If you're black and on Twitter, they consider you black Twitter. Yep. <laughs> black Twitter. Self-explanatory. <laughs> uh, I, I, I yes, I would say black Twitter simply because you're just, you know, you're black Twitter. But um, the IWC has, has a really negative connotation, but, you know, there there's a lot of diverse thinking. Uh, we, we have some members in our group that, you know, they they hate you know the the big work rate matches and things like that, and we have guys that you know that that's what they ride for. So like we're a diverse you know group of folks, but when I saw this poster, it with square in the center, it was John Cena, Brock Lesnar, Goldberg, and Undertaker on the front, with AJ Styles buried way in the back, with Roman Reigns directly in the middle, kind of between. Um, Goldberg and was it Undertaker? Like right in the middle and then everyone yeah. else is just kind of scattered around them. It's just sent like, the wrong like, message. 
I basically that first row is what you said, the four guys of Cena, Undertaker, Goldberg, and Lesnar, and then the, se- the second row of um, right between like those four guys' heads. So in one spot is Charlotte, then in the middle is Roman Reigns, and the next spot over is Kevin Owens. And then like trying to sneak in between, like right behind Kevin Owens and Dean Ambrose. <laughs> yep, I'm and here. Then, like, right yeah, I'm looking Dean at it Ambrose. too, so it's funny to hear you describe it. Yeah, and then like even right behind <laughs> Dean Ambrose is like you know the the, the WWE champion who's like it, you know in the same exact spot as Rich Swan. It looks like he's behind Rich Swan, like just he, peeking over his shoulder he, a bit. He just may be behind Rich Swan too, and he's next to like Miz and Ziggler and our truth, our fucking truth. Yes, he's yes. the same def <laughs> champion is the same def as our truth. Yes. But how did our truth get on the poster? It should be former champion Archer, by the way. Look, James, Rooney Rule. What's no? What's look, that? There's New Day and there's Rich on here. Okay. And Sasha Banks. Okay, I, I mean, we had to have a meet a quota, you know, for how many of us had to get on there. Oh my gosh! In that case, wanted to put Titus O'Neil on there since he's on TV now. Because they had enough. They met the quota. Cedric Alexander. Look, they met the quota. Yeah, but Cedric Alexander's not outlandish. Neither is Rich fucking Swan. <laughs> <laughs> what does He's that even outlandish. mean? Yeah, outlandish. What does that even mean? Oh, man. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, we had these part-timers, like, on the front, like, I, this, was, this, this was stupid, uh, and I, you know, I, I hate to throw a fit over the poster because it, you know, somebody, it's only a poster, get over it, but it, it it's clearly a ranking of their hierarchy of who they give a fuck about, and it's like, where is, like, you don't care about the WWE champion, like, really? This is what we're doing yeah. now? Right. I mean, if, if I'm assuming, based off of the way that this poster is positioned, how the booking of the matches is going to go, then I can pretty much tell that Roman Reigns is probably going to beat Kevin Owens for the title. Mm-hmm. Yep. And John Cena, since he's front and center, he's probably going to beat AJ Styles since he's all the way in the back. Yep. And, and then, uh, you know, all these guys that are in the front, they're the main contenders to win the Rumble. So, I mean, it's pretty off. And, you know, and also, yep. Bailey's all the way in the back, so she's probably not going to beat, beat Charlotte, Charlotte yep. this time. Maybe down the road. Mm-hmm. I smell fuck finish in that match. Which match? Flair? Uh, yeah, Charlotte and Bailey. Huh. She might just beat her clean, seeing that, you know, it's a pay-per-view. Look, so. look this is ripe for a dusty finish. <laughs> Watch out. Stay woke. Look, what, what, like, like we're gonna yeah, get like wait, one wait. of those double pins, and it's gonna be like, Talking yeah, Bailey won, and then they're gonna reverse that shit, and they're gonna be like, all right, we'll run it back next month. Talking about stay woke. Did you guys see my post in the group where the Wrestle Kingdom Eleven uh, stage was a giant all-seeing eye? No. Oh, that was for somebody whose interest had a hot eye. I can't remember. Stay woke, Illuminati. It's real. <laughs> oh man. Uh, but yeah, I I don't know. I I don't like the direction of, of WrestleMania so far. Just when you're plotting out the matches, it's entirely too reliant on part timers. Uh, these things can be avoided if they only built their stars correctly and listened to the fans more. Uh, you know what's funny what's is up? that 
we, or you, you have been banging on the part-timer thing since what? Oh, since WrestleMania, since 2013 WrestleMania, right? 29, yeah. Yeah, right? So not only have they, like, not, like, lessened the impact of the part-timers, they're adding on fucking part-timers. Yes. They doubled down. Like, last year they added Shane to the mix of the four guys, or of the other, of the guys, right? Yeah. And then this year, not only, like, Shane's probably going to have a match, Right. And go and they had to fucking Bill Goldberg. Yep. So like, what are we? I, it's so weird. Like, you know, there's only gonna there's only room for seven to eight matches on a WrestleMania card, and you have, you know, depending on how you feel about how you want to classify John Cena because he, he takes huge breaks now, but you can, let's not even include John Cena because he's doing he, he's back, right? You have Undertaker, you have Brock, you have Triple H, you have Goldberg now, you have Shane, and you have. Like, unless I said Triple H twice, but like, you look at where we are now, and like, how many of those guys are taking up slots? And it's like, one of these guys that are, you know, one of these guys that are, you know, the face of the company for three hundred sixty or three hundred and what forty days out of the year. When are those guys going to have their real WrestleMania moments? You know, and, and to get a chance to main event that's not Roman Reigns. Like, when is that ever going to happen? Well, how about? Daniel Bryan on Talking Smack uh, going off the script, it seemed like. I doubt WWE really wants him talking about this. Where <laughs> well, he mentioned, he said, you know, they, they run two tours, right? All last year, the secondary tour ran with Dean Ambrose as a main eventer. And he said he literally wrestled more matches in a year than any other wrestler. He didn't get injured. And he headlined... He said about ninety to ninety-five percent of the house shows yeah. that they ran, but come WrestleMania season, they take you know they they basically drop them to upper mid card, yeah, and they give away those spots to to, and it's no big secret. It's what we're talking about. They give it away right. to guys like Brock Lesnar and mm-hmm. uh, Bill Goldberg and Triple H and all that, and Shane McMahon. And it and it would be one thing if like. They were putting over anybody, but like they Undertaker, yeah. Undertaker's only lost to Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar lost like in a flukish triple threat match, and then beat the hell out of like and then beat the hell out of uh. But he's not the getting out of Ambrose in like thirteen minutes or whatever in a in a freaking no DQ or street fight or whatever. You that was an extended it. squash match. Right, right. Uh, triple H, Triple H, he. Uh, he lost to Roman Reigns, which is the only guy, like I said, is the only guy to put it, uh, the, the part-timers are putting over. And then the year before that, he hit Sting in the face with a fucking sledgehammer. <laughs> right? Gotta keep him strong. Uh, yeah. So, and then Shane, Shane put over Undertaker, which means nothing because it's the fucking Undertaker. Yeah. Yeah. So, it sends the message that the guys that are wrestling year-round are not good enough to beat the guys that are wrestling part-time who are the bigger stars, and the bigger stars can only beat the bigger stars, basically. Right. And you know, and, but, it, but the thing is, it's them. not just, that's true, but the thing about the why that's such an issue is because not only is that true behind the scenes as far as, like, the powers that be booking uh, booking everything, it's also true when you look at the TV. Yep. Like, yeah. the TV gets all, the TV that these guys on short appearances make, they, they do all this smart stuff, they do, like, we complain every single, like every other week, about how stupid they make this guy look or this girl look 
or right. this person is supposed to be a baby face, this person is turning heel, or this person is still, so maybe you should turn him one other way or the other, or this person just took a bad loss and he shouldn't have lost. And you look at what what these guys are on TV that are there, you know, for the you know, what, 100 and some odd days of TV. Um, and you just suppose that with like the guys that are literally here for their for their segments, for their fuse that are here th- maybe maybe three times to shoot the pay-per-view angle. And then they're on the show and they look like a million bucks. Dude. Because they're not made to look like idiots. Yep. Like, Think about it. Rob Goldberg in one night became the most over guy in the entire company as the ba- as a as a top baby face in the company in one night. Unbelievable. Yeah, because they they gave him a pinfall that had been protected for three years. No, before that. I'm, I'm not even talking about that. His first promo, his first promo his first coming back. Yeah, 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 on Raw. They made him like a million bucks. They can't right. do that for nobody else. That's right. been the company the whole entire time. It's. It's mind-boggling. Look at someone like Rusev, who for two years ago was being built as this monster. They don't even care about him now. He's beaten everybody, right? He beats everybody, accolade, no one can get out of it. Everyone taps to it. He even beats John Cena. It's fluky, but he beats him, leading to a Mania match. What has he done since then? Yeah, they booked him pretty strong, but every single part-timer that's come in has beaten the crap out of Rusev. The Rock beat the crap out of him. Uh, uh, Shawn Michaels beat the crap out of him. Well, did he beat the crap out of him or did he kick him in the face? Yeah, super, he super kicked that man. Like, he, he knocked him out with the super kick. Well, he I mean, stone. that man. Stone Cold Steve Austin came in and, and beat the crap out of Matt Mania. Yep. Who else beat him up? Well, Still that was out. after a match. Still. I get, I get what you're saying and I agree with you. Like, saying, like, what I'm saying is that this is a guy that was being built as like they were giving him the a Yoko killer type run. Yeah. The next but, killer. But the thing for me was the thing with me with was just the fact that like the second he came up being all Russian guy that's not actually Russian but still like holding a Russian flag, like we knew who that guy was getting built up to, to go against. And then he got built up to go against him and he came out in the tank and he lost on a freaking he lost on a freaking stump or a springboard stunner. And right. you know, AAA, and then he, and then like, well, you served your purpose. Yeah, like, and, the big, and that's, that's going to happen to Strowman too. This, like, yeah, you're I the big bad that built at this time to go beat, and then we're going to like make you a mid carter after that. Right, that's what happens to Monster Heels. I get that, but at the same time, you got a guy that can talk, who yep. can work, who's yep. got the look, who can do yep. everything, and he could potentially separate. I mean, maybe like, have really good matches, but yeah. I like him more than Bray Wyatt. And he's up there on that bad body worker list. That's true. But at the same time, you've got every single part-time guy ever coming in and destroying him. So there's no credibility there. And that's just one example. Just he's just not the guy. only guy. Like, I don't he's know the who the guy. hell it's... Dean Ambrose or AJ Styles is wrestling at WrestleMania. And I don't feel yeah. good about that. The only quote-unquote part-time guy that's really, and it's not very often, but putting making guys every now and then is is John Cena, and he's going to get those wins back, but it's John Cena. Yeah, and he's that's also, it. you know, actually with the company, like, most of the year. He's on, he's on. All right, right. But, but we had a we had a great question posed by uh, Caleb in the group. Uh, what's up to Caleb? Um, and it, I actually didn't get a chance to come up with one of my own, but I wanted to spotlight uh, James's card because I thought that one was really good. 
Um, basically, we were. He asked um, uh, the group to come up with your WrestleMania that uh, did not include any part timers or like guys, you know, like special attraction guys, and just only use the full time roster. So James came up with a card, and we want to just go through it real quick before we get up out of here. Yeah, you got. Uh, I'm. Yeah, I have an eleven match card because uh, we are not. You know, this is this is my world, and we're not doing any rock promo in the last twenty minutes. You, you know, like no match is going over thirty minutes. It doesn't need all that. Like it's pretty much video package. Bring your ass out, Russell. Take your ass out. Get go, out of here. Go, go to the pay window. Yeah, so uh, I had a three-match pre-show because, you know, they love to do two-hour shows on pre-show WrestleMania now. So start off the show with Neville versus Jack Gallagher uh, in a cruiserweight match, uh, followed by uh, Becky Lynch versus Nikki Bella versus Natalya versus Alexa Bliss in a four-to-four-way match for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Uh, Third match is, you know, basically the quote-unquote main event of the pre-show. So we can still say that they never had a singles match on the main card. It will be uh, it will be Dolph Ziggler versus Sami Zayn, and the stipulation is whoever wins gets to switch brands if they so choose. Unbelievable. That's funny. All uh, right. I like the pre-show. Uh, poor Dolph Ziggler couldn't even get in in the full-timer WrestleMania. Nope, nope, nope. Maybe nope. this is the case for that two WrestleManias thing we were talking about, Josh. <laughs> You know, two back-to-back nights of WrestleMania. We can get into that after. But uh, on to your main card, James. Yeah. The main card, we're going to start off how they love to start off with a multi-man match with, a, with people falling from high places. So we are going nice. with... Yeah, we hear you. Josh? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we're going with American Alpha versus Cesaro and Sheamus. Versus the New Day versus the Wyatts. And the Wyatts that will be Randy Orton and Luke Harper. Bray Wyatt is going to be on the sideline. <laughs> you, know, you know, because he's going he's gonna to make, make a boss decision probably during that match and, and job somebody and help, you know, get into the titles, but whatever. And the stipulation is that we are moving the entire Raw division. We are putting, we are consolidating them and we are shipping them to Raw um, because we need better tag team feuds. Flat out. Um, if you were to ask me who does a better job with, with the Raw, uh, between Raw and SmackDown with the tag team division of their own, I would honestly say that SmackDown, or that Raw does a better job. Uh, they, because SmackDown did a bad job with bringing up America Alpha, uh, if not for the fact that, uh, <clears throat> if not for the fact that you have Bray freaking Wyatt and Randy freaking Orton combining, like, the mega powers, that <laughs> division is still, like, in a weird spot. Right, so right. we're gonna move them to Raw because Raw is one of the few things they do well as tag teams are better than SmackDown. Yeah. So, um, so after that, uh, I also I also had a plan to where Zig or either Sami Zayn or Ziggler wins and they meet up with Stephanie backstage before her match, and Stephanie buries them because you know that's all she does is bury people. Um, about them, don't, regardless of them coming to Raw or leaving Raw, they'll still be who they are, wherever they are, because they're you know they're nobodies, whatever you know that Terrible. stuff gets down. Uh, she comes out, 
She comes out in the, in its Caribbean's career match against Sasha Banks. Wow. Sasha Banks wins. You get the the jubilation to keep the crowd going. You get the na 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 hey hey goodbye. Uh, you you get all of, all of the great things that come from Stephanie not being on TV for a while, right? Uh, <clears throat> then from there you have Jericho versus Owens for notice uh, no DQ match for the U.S. title. Um, Subsplanetary, you know they're set to break up any day now. So you uh, have to run it. Yes. Also. Another backstage segment shows Stephanie and Hunter, Hunter and Soling Stephanie, going backstage and being upset that she her career is over, and somehow she runs into Daniel Bryan and Daniel Bryan does a bunch of yes chants, gets the crowd, <laughs> crowd going, just just you know just just a complete all, you know this is basically yeah. all the years of burying people that she just gets what she deserves in one night right right uh, it, so then it shows obviously the the Daniel Bryan Miz match. I don't know. I'm probably cheating by having this match, but I feel like that match deserves to be on there. That's that's what that's a highly anticipated match if they were to actually do it. Uh, then after that, you have Dean Ambrose versus Samoa Joe and I quit match. Um, if there were anybody I would guess would come up to the main roster, my number one odds on bet would be Samoa Joe. They do need a killer that's not a part-time guy and is not getting beat up by the old timers like Josh just previously stated. So you bring in Samoa Joe Fresh and you hopefully put him on SmackDown because they love to treat that show like NXT slash WCW. I'm sorry, TNA slash WCW where it's a lesser show so he can come in right in and make an immediate impact. Um, next match, Charlotte versus Bailey, And by that point, it'll be like their blow feud. So it'll be, you know, because of some Ric Flair sh- chicanery, it'll be Charlotte Three Falls for the it's raw women's title. Yeah. Uh, then the semi-main event is AJ Styles versus Seth Rollins. AJ Styles beat John Cena at Royal Rumble, and Seth Rollins somehow, some way, wins the Royal Rumble and decides that he wants to bring the, the real number belt. one belt, the real belt, to the real sh- show. So he challenges AJ Styles in a shocker. Uh. And because SmackDown has the uh, has the Elimination Chamber match, the Elimination Chamber is going to decide who gets the other title shot. Who else is going to win besides John Cena? So John Cena will then challenge because uh, Kevin Owens is in a is in a match with Jericho for the U.S. title. The champion, the Universal Champion, Roman Reigns. In a, in a, in a, uh, what, what one has described as a, uh, this man wet dream. (laughs) I think that's a great card for, uh, for like, based on the year, uh, what we see week to week on TV, not Brock Lesnar, not The Rock, not Triple H. Not Goldberg. I sound like Ric Flair. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not the Road Warriors. Um, <laughs> not MTA. <laughs> yeah, on the funky motorcycle. Yeah. On the funky motorcycle. Yeah. So, <laughs> be a real man and drive a Mercedes Benz. Right. Lex Luger. I saw something written online. That I forgot who, who pr- proposed this. It was just a random guy writing online. And they're saying if there was a Daniel Bryan mismatch, pretty much what should happen is the bell rings, he turns around and he kisses Maurice. 
He turns around, catches a running uh. knee, one, two, three. <laughs> and then, like, it it basically makes Daniel Bryan's career uh. come full circle, and that's Bryan's send-off. Well, they did that. Didn't they do that um, with AJ Styles and Ziggler after that? Or no? No, they did I, I it. Yes, they did it with. Um, they tried to do it with Brian and Ziggler in the tag match at WrestleMania 29. But you know, I'm saying like this is the end. Like, <laughs> so like they could do that, and then Miz, you Man, know, is humiliated. The build up to that match would be totally based off of. I could just see the promos right now about how <laughs> Miz doesn't want to, but he's gonna cripple him he's yep. going to maybe like like you're gonna you're not gonna ever walk again this yep. is the end of your life it's not worth it your you know, child blah, is blah, not blah. gonna have like you know a father uh, a functioning father like stuff like yeah that. <laughs> it's gonna be so heated and then freaking Brian Brian squashes him. Him. one two three quick oh god that'd be so funny See, I don't know. I, I feel like yeah I mean yeah that'd be cool but like I kind of want to see Daniel Brown like really wrestle I mean, yeah, we yeah, all do, but, but it's not yeah. probably going to happen. Maybe, maybe like once his, uh, maybe he'll go to Japan. I don't know. You know my thing would be like, okay, so like, how do you get, how do you get the real heat? Wow, how do you get the real heat on Miz? Other than the fact he's talking shit, like, do you have to have one of these segments? Oh, where, you got to attack like, that man on the if, lead up. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, does Miz have to do the quote unquote attack, the backstage attack where a camera shows up and, and like, Daniel Bryan just is laying down on the floor yep. and Miz is standing over him and like, you never see any actual action? Yeah. Like, they got to do, like, a thing where it's caught on tape. They got to go full, like, hood. Like, there's a dude in the hood jumped, uh, Daniel Bryan, and Miz denying it for weeks and weeks. And then all of a sudden, you know, the, the tape gets leaked or something like that. And, and then they found out that Miz did it. And his alibis come up, you know, and that bill comes due. And you got to fight that well, man we, pretty much. Okay. Well, can't we – well, that's the case. Can't we just have, like, I don't know, like Dolph Ziggler, like, snitch on, on Miz and then Miz call her a lying bitch? Wow. Uh, like, how are going with Nikki Bella and Natalya right now? Yeah. How about – Look, the they're off to – Nikki Bella and Natalya are off to a good start right now. Yeah. One one of the last times I I really got kayfabe by a story where I believed it believed it was when they said John Cena got stabbed in the club back in like oh four oh five. Oh my god, I wasn't around for this. <laughs> what? And I and no, it was before that. It was like oh three. It was oh three, and John Cena was just getting hot. He had the U.S. title, and he was in a feud with Carlito. And they said Carlito hired some thugs and got him stabbed in the club, and I believed it. Unbelievable. I, I was like. Because the way they, they reported it was like it was real. And I was like, oh, God, shanked. his career's over. Shanked out there. He got, sh- he got, he got shanked with the shit, man. Someone, Rich, someone... is Paul Pierce the last person you Paul Pierce, that's yeah, exactly what I was thinking. I was like, you know, the Boston thing, Paul Pierce. Like, Paul Pierce got stabbed 16 times and lived. Like, <laughs> like is Paul Pierce like the last time, like, some pro athlete or anything of that, like, got stabbed a bunch and, like, survived? Well, John Cena. Well. In real life, though. <laughs> oh, no. Yo, now now Googling pro athletes that have been stabbed. Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing, though. It didn't become apparent to me that this was a storyline until years later. And right. But what, for a long okay, time, okay. I believed it was real. All right. Well, well we, we can't forget about Monica Sellers being stabbed. Well, I remember that, but that was the 80s. No, that was like the 90s. Okay, well, in the early 90s, and then, like, Paul Pierce was, like, freaking, what, 2000? Yeah, it was, like, early 2000s. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's it, yeah. 
But um, yeah, I mean that's uh. Monica Seles thing like that. I mean that didn't happen in no nightclub. That happened like literally on the fucking tennis court. Yeah, coming to get you like the boogeyman. <laughs> but um, yeah, that was uh. I think we got through everything I wanted to get through this week. But um, we've got shoot Saturday coming up tomorrow. Um, this show will be posted by that time, so you know, um, the you know Russell Kingdom. We went over that. Went over James WrestleMania card. You guys got anything else you want to get in there before there was, we get up out of there here? There was one thing. Um, the New Year's Dash card. I don't want to go over the card or anything, but maybe some of the big storylines going into uh, going into the new beginning. Uh-huh. Because, uh huh. Because the new beginning card looks really good. I know. I know not everybody that uh, follows you guys is into New Japan, but given how good Wrestle Kingdom was. Um, it's the perfect time to get on. Yeah, it's the perfect time to get on. So that New Year's Dash show, uh, there's no great matches. There's, uh, it's a really story-driven card. Um, That's a great sell. There's no great matches. There's none. No, there's there's not. There's not. But it's like watching an episode of Raw where, you know, most of the matches are going to be between two and three stars, but the storylines are incredible just like after WrestleMania, there's usually not going to be like a, I mean, this year there was, but not usually there's not too many four star matches after, you know, on the raw after WrestleMania. Um, but what happened on this show, there's about, there's about four big angles that were run. Um, the first one was with the, uh, Kushida, uh, Kushida and Michael Elgin. They teamed up against, uh, Takahashi and, um, Naito. A really good match. Um, but what's interesting is uh, Michael Elgin, you know, he was injured last year by Naito. Uh, legit, they, there was a botched uh, moment, and they broke his orbital bone. So they, they've been playing that up in the storyline. He, he was supposed to miss Wrestle Kingdom, and he made his return during the Rumble. So that's kind of the beginning of his big push. And uh, now he's back, and, you know, Naito just went over Tanahashi, and so Elgin wants revenge. And Elgin's coming back for the IC title. Yeah. So they, and then there's the, you know, the storyline with Kushida. Kushida wants to run it back with Takahashi because they had a hotly contested match the, the night before. So they, they have the match. Match is going well. Uh, there's a certain point towards the end where, uh, lo and behold, Naito starts cheating. I think he hits, uh, Elgin low. And so he's about to wrap this thing up. He's going for El Destino. Suddenly out of the crowd, a masked man, you hear the crowd erupt. You don't know who it is. And a masked man comes into the ring and it ends up being Dragon Lee from CMLL. Uh-huh. Uh, and if, if you're not familiar with Dragon Lee, he's one of their hottest baby faces. And he just got out of a two and a half year series of matches with uh, Takahashi, who's the former Kamatachi. Um, and he attacks Naito, dumps that man. He flips out of the freaking ring and he attacks uh, Takahashi. So, yeah, so it's on. So anyways, Elgin ends up winning the match with Burning Hammer. And uh, after the match, and I, I know you don't like that move, James. Uh, actually, his, his version of the Burning Hammer is actually safer. It's the Tyler Rex version. He doesn't dump the guy in his head. He actually pancakes him. Mm. So it's a safer version where they're not getting, there, there's no neck trauma as much as can be avoided. So anyways, they end up uh, with Elgin holding up the, the icy belt, and then you have Dragon Lee holding up the junior belt. So, you know, you've got two guys, Dragon Lee and Kamatachi. They've got uh, some of the most widely praised matches of the last three years, uh, going on from 2014 all the way to 2016. 
Um, they've had 13 singles matches and literally maybe hundreds of tag matches across Mexico. And so now he's, he's here. He's in uh, New Japan. And it's interesting that they're running an angle where they're furthering a storyline um, from a, a different company in New Japan, which is kind of the running theme of this night. Uh, you also get a face-off with Kushida and uh, Dragon Lee, because Kushida's pissed that Dragon Lee inter- intervened. So there's kind of a three-way dynamic there. Um, so that was real interesting. And then going into the next card, the new beginning, you're going to get a Dragon Lee Kamatachi match, and you're going to get a Michael Elgin Naito match. And those are should both be excellent matches uh, from what history tells us. Um, you also, oh, you know, I forgot to mention, there was a trios match where Yoshihashi ended up pinning Adam Cole, yeah. who is the new Ring of Honor champion. Um, so at some point, it looks like Yoshihashi is probably going to get a title shot against uh, Batman. But the big angle, the one that everybody was talking about, was they, they ran a, a, a 10-man tag. It was chaos against a bunch of the New Japan guys. And it was a great match. It was definitely the match of the night. But what ended up happening um, before the match, Katsuyori Shibata had a standoff with Will Ospreay, where Will Ospreay uh, pointed to the Rev Pro title, the British heavyweight title that, uh, that Shibata is actually carrying, right. and told him, you have something that I want. And Why so there would was you ever awesome... challenge, challenge Shibata? Like, I feel like you, can't, you shouldn't even look Shibata in the eyes. Thank yeah, you. It, was, <laughs> it, was a pretty cool, it was a pretty cool moment. Uh, Shibata is actually defending that belt against uh, Matt Riddle this Saturday. But if he defends it and retains, which he probably will, they're going to wrestle next month uh, at the New Beginning show, and it's going to be for the Rev Pro title. So that's another angle. That's three different promotions where they're running angles and title matches between promotions, which is very rare. You, you don't, I, I don't know of any other company that's doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the match goes on. They have a great match, and it ends up being where uh, Goto gets takes the pin. He takes a penalty kick from Shibata, so it's kind of he gets that receipt from the night before. Yeah. But Juice Juice Robinson ends up getting the pinfall, who yeah. a year ago was a young boy, uh, a young lion, a young boy basically. <laughs> and and so the crowd goes crazy, literally. Like they're they're really digging Juice Robinson over there in Japan. It seems like they can have uh, it's a. It's a big moment. Um, you know, he gets the big uh, pinfall of Rigoto. He's holding the Never title. Um, you know, that's the way that they were doing it. It was not as uh, crazy as when Daniel Bryan won the title, but it's very similar to when Daniel, how when Daniel Bryan won the title, he has the title. You think that's the end of it, and then the cash-in happens. Well, that's what this was like. Everybody thought that the big angle was Juice Robinson. He's going to challenge for the title. Everyone's celebrating. It's this big underdog story. When out of nowhere, <laughs> Suzuki Kun comes back from Noah. If you're not familiar with these guys, they're the biggest heel faction. They're one of the biggest heel factions in New Japan three years ago. They've been over in Noah. They they've been running the entire territory. They came back from a two-year excursion, and they just decimate everybody. They destroy the New Japan guys, but they really go after chaos and uh, Killer Elite Squad. Which is uh, Lance Archer and Davy Boy Smith Jr. They take out the tag champs, uh, Takamishinoku, and I forget who he tags with. But they're junior tag guys. They, yeah, Takamishinoku from WWF days, uh, is part of Suzuki Gun. They destroy. Uh, old as fuck. 
they destroy everybody. They basically just destroy everybody. Awesome um, Nexus shit. Yeah, it's kind of like Nexus. Then you get Okada. Okada comes in and he starts mounting a comeback. He's taking everybody out one single handedly. When out of no out of nowhere, Minoru Suzuki comes out of the crowd and he puts him in his uh, rear naked choke. And then he freaking uh, gotcha power drives that man who his neck was attacked the night before. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, so it adds into that angle. And we end up getting a promo from him where he's got his foot on top of Okada. Um, you know, just kind of giving you it's something where if you've got New Japan World, it's worth going back and checking out just for that angle. Just this one match, because it was a really, really hot angle. The, the crowd at uh, Corkin Hall did not expect it. And I mean... They really, really, really were going going crazy for this angle, and so it's. What's that? I was saying the best part about it is the fact that like Suzuki looks just like, like if I were to if I were to watch, uh, if I were to watch an Asian film and I was like, okay, it's a it's an action <laughs> film and there was a, and there was a bad guy in it. He looks just like the bad guy I I, I picture in my head. Yeah, he is. Uh, <laughs> apparently, uh, that's. <clears throat> what he's like in real life, just like they said, you know, (laughs) apparently that's, he's a bad guy. Um, you know, he is, he's one of the best workers in Japan, even though he's older, but what's so brilliant about this is he's 48. Yeah. He's 48. Yeah. But he had a five-star match with AJ Styles, you know, two years ago, he had a five-star match in my opinion last year in, uh, Noah with a guy named Segura. Uh, he's still performing at a very, very high level, and he's had close to five-star matches with Okada in the past, mm-hmm. so it's not the first time they've wrestled. Um, it's 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 an awesome angle because you've got two heel factions that are going to go at it, and it takes all the heat off the Kenny Omega storyline. Right, so he can just go away, recover, and all right. that, right? and if he's coming back, he's coming back. If he's not, he's not. But you've got a hotly anticipated match uh, you know, and that was the awesome thing about that match was that you got the Rev Pro storyline, you got the Never storyline, and the tag, the junior tags, and the world title. All all those feuds were basically launched off this one angle. Um, and who doesn't like who doesn't like big uh, NWO type groups coming in just laying waste to the entire roster? I mean, that's just always awesome. Folks. Right. I said so I'm in Survivor Series, man. Survivor Series. <laughs> Actually, there are. Their clan's too big for a Survivor Series. I think there's like 12 guys in Suzuki Gun. Oh, no, I meant the fact that like they had a 10-man tag and it turned into all that shit. Right. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Right, right, right. So that's pretty much it. That's the recap on that. But, you know, the new begin- uh they got the Fantastica Mania coming up, which is going to be some good shows. Right. But next month going into New Beginning, that's where you're going to get all these title matches. And, uh, you know, it's going to be worth checking out for sure. For also, sure, the inspiration for Juice Robinson's uh, new 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 stuff. <laughs> for sure, I... that man dressed like Fruit Stripe Gum, bro. That's funny. Goto's gonna kill him. That's yes. the only reason I want to see that. Goto's, Goto's gonna, gonna annihilate gonna that man. Kick the crap out of him. But um, he's gonna cuss a bunch too. Yeah. They um. <laughs> yeah, that's gonna wrap up the show. Um, James and I are going to kind of get started on this new project we might be bringing to you guys where we're going to pick up the point, since all the Raws are on the network, 
We're gonna pick up the point James stopped watching wrestling in the in the year oh, two thousand. So we're gonna start watching uh, the Monday Night Raws from that time and, and coming at you guys with our thoughts on them. So look out for another show uh, for us in the weeks to come. So James, you got any comments on that? Uh, it's gonna be when you stop stopped watching, James? I stopped literally after WrestleMania 2000. Uh, I, I, okay, so I used to have a, I used to have, like, I guess, statute of limitations allow me to say, say this. Like, I used to be the guy that, like, your friend, like, you didn't, you couldn't afford to get the, the uh, pay per views. So, like, you had a friend that had, that used to always get the pay per views, you know. Uh, through whatever means to get the, the pay per views, but would get them and then record them on the tape and then hand them out to your friend, like to loan out for like the week. I was that guy. So uh, WrestleMania 2000 comes around, WrestleMania 16, and you know Rock is hot as the sun, and then they do the whole you know there's a McMahon in every in every corner, and for whatever reason, like uh, my means of getting the pay per view, it switched up on me, so I ended up missing that pay per view. Uh, and I was heartbroken because I couldn't watch it. And then the next day, I find out that The Rock didn't win and Triple H won. And I was like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm done. Like, I'm, sick and tired. I'm, sick and, I'm sick and tired of Triple H. Like he's been cheating. And like when he cheats, he's not even like Ric Flair where he cheats because he gets much help. Like he cheats, and then like somebody like comes back, and then like he fucking beats somebody at the end with a with a pedigree that yep. is not really actually hammer. cheating. So like I'm done with this. Fuck this. Fuck this whole wrestling thing. Like I'm too over this shit. Like I'm into football now. Like, I, I, like, I, I need to stop. I, I'm tired of having to put back. Fuck Triple H. Watching Randy Moss versus Brett versus Brett Favre. Like, um, and John, like, or or watching Austin. Like, I'm tired of putting back and forth. So I'm